Hi, welcome to Creatives on Speed from Faster Ideas, where we talk to creative thinkers, doers and makers from all walks of life about their work and their inspirations. And I'm absolutely delighted today to be joined by Jade Coles, who's a creative strategist. Hi, Jade. Hi, how's it going? Um, Lovely to be here. Thanks yeah, for having me. Very, very welcome and I'm really delighted to have you on. Now, I know for a fact that Creative Strategist doesn't really fully explain all the amazing things that you do. So why don't you sort of talk us through all the strands? There's so many different things, but I think, you know, essentially what I do fits into kind of three pillars and the things that I love doing I guess fit into three pillars and that's event programming strategy um, for mixed use hospitality spaces um, art galleries and online so um, I'm the person that comes in when you're like right I want to build an amazing co-working space with a cafe and a bar and I want people to do like amazing and interesting things inside it I'm the person that will help you discover what those amazing, interesting things are, what your kind of strategic event pillars are and what that content content, sorry, looks like so you can build community in that space and have everybody having a really good time. The other thing that I do loads of is like cultural partnerships. So normally what I am brought in to do is like match emerging creative talent with bigger brands to create new and exciting things can be anything um, from advertising through to product through to new services and then something else that I do is a lot of one-on-one coaching and mentoring um, specifically for people who work in the creative arena and I um, love to work with individuals who are transitioning from in-house work to going freelance and starting their own business that's where I can be a real support to people um with that phase um of their life and then sometimes I do a bit of creative project management too depending on how I feel just you know in my spare time yeah um (laughs) fantastic I mean there's so many so many things there we can get into and all like tying up with creativity creative industries creative thinking but let's let's go back let's go back a little to when you were growing up yeah Um, what part did creativity or creative activities have in your life when you were when you were growing up yeah creativity was really important to me growing up and I think that really stemmed from my from my parents and from my mum so my mum always says that she loved like she does love arts and culture but it was sort of you know a bit of a dirty word in her house with kind of her big family they didn't go to galleries they didn't really like engage in you know cinema and stuff like that it was when she got a bit older um, and kind of found her own feet that she got really excited by the sort of creative industries landscape so when she had me she really pushed me to be in front of as much creativity as possible she was like a forceful pushy um kind of creative mum my parents do not have a creative background my family don't come from a creative background they actually are butchers by trade (laughs) so they used to own a bunch of butchers in south london where i was from so that's very much kind of like their world but my mum really loves like foreign cinema and things that are very experimental she's just always been very curious like that so i think she wanted to push that curiosity kind of onto me so we always went to art galleries we always saw the turner prize every year that was a big thing for us um and um and really weirdly though we're not so into them now kind of like musicals and like west end theater um which i think is sort of where i get 
my love for sort of more experiential events and sort of crossover with theatre and activation and and kind of more um, normal event stuff is, is sort of from there. So I was really kind of pushed into it. And then I'm also an only child. So my mum was also terrified that I would be bored. So any kind of after school club in something I was enrolled into, like you name it, drama, tap, dance, drawing, like anything. Um, I was really at the forefront of that. So it was really, really important to me and it was also a way for me to kind of, I guess, grow like my own sort of like quirky personality and taste and, and really find my feet and, and who I am. So, yeah, it's been super important. And then when I started being able to think about what sixth form to go to, there is an amazing free visual arts and performing school called Brit School in Croydon, all the way down in Zone 6. Um, and I went to the open day there and it was like you know, I still remember that feeling and the energy and the excitement that I felt when I went into that school for the open day. It was incredible. You know, it was like dancers over here, little pop-up theatre show over there, people like making costumes. It's like a technical theatre department. You know, the art department, I was literally like my, you know, 16 year old brain, like mind was just like completely blown. Um, and I was like, I have to get into this sixth form. And I made an exponential amount of artwork. And I went to the interview with, this, with two portfolios under my arms, one <laughs> full of sketchbooks, one full of work. Um, you know, I'd got, I'd managed to get like a 35 mil camera and like learn how to use it. I built a dark room in my bathroom so I could self-develop the pictures. Like, and I was the only, when I went in, I told, you know, the, told the people running the course, Harriet, the course leader. And she was just like, whoa, like how has this girl done all of this stuff and still like even gone and like done mass English science and history. I was like, yeah, I'm also excelling on all of those. Don't worry. I was like, nothing is getting in my way. The determination was unreal and she was like what I find amazing about you she was like you're the only person that's come to this interview today not only with that volume of work that is great and really thought through but also you didn't bring your parents with you and I was like of course I'm not gonna bring my parents to an interview like how lame is that and then I like <laughs> walked out the door and there's everybody else there with their mum and dad on either side like sweating for their kids and talking on behalf of their children and I was just like no I've just been always been a real like independent spirit like that and then that whole experience at sixth form was just fantastic again really experimental got to work cross department um I got to go to Edinburgh Fringe Festival to help with a show when I was like 17 um which is obviously great and was a you know again another like mind-blowing experience for me um, and yeah, just kind of ripe with opportunities and just a real quirky set of people around me, which I just loved. And then I just knew that my life had to be working around and with creative people. Was it shortly after that that you started working in the music industry as well? Yeah, so after that, I went and did um, my um, art foundation at Camberwell, and then I went on to do a BA. I did time-based media, which is sound, video, and performance. Mm. So I basically picked the most niche subjects of all the subjects, and there was only like 10 of us on the on the course, and it was like a brand new course. Yeah. But the woman that ran it, Jeanette Thomas, makes really amazing video work that I'd found really inspirational. So I wanted to go on a course that she was running. So very much like kind of led by my emotions on this one. But actually I think performance video and sound have then lent into so much of the event work that I've done anyway and the conceptual work that I've done that it still feels perfect yeah in my last year in that course I was recruited um, by 
woman called Deborah Coughlin to join what was explained to me at the time as kind of like an alternative musical WI sort of thing, Women's Institute sort of thing um, in East London in a pub in Shadwell. Oh, we just meet once a week, bunch of women, get away from the guys. There's a bit of, you know, banging of drums involved, but, you know, no big deal. And I'm like, that's okay. Yeah, that's cool. But I was like, I don't, I was like, I'll do anything but sing. I was like, because I don't, I was like, I don't sing and I can't read music. As I've already said, the music department at my school was not up to par. So I was like, she's like, no, 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 there's no singing. So I go in next the following Tuesday and I get upstairs. There's all these amazing women of different ages. I'm the youngest at the time in my early 20s, but there's people there right in their 30s, 40s, up to like their late 70s, right? So huge spectrum of people from like loads of different walks of life and not just creative people, nurses, teachers, or people that are in atypical creative careers. They are all creative, obviously. Um, and I was like, okay, great. And then, you know, we started, everyone got together and we started singing this song called Crows that I then had to learn. And I was like, well, this is definitely singing. So I won't be coming back to this, but Deborah cornered me after and was like, so you'll be back next week. And I was like, so terrified of her that I came back the following week. And, you know, for the next 10 years was essentially in this band um, and in its first iteration, we were a 22 piece all female riot girl choir. So it was um, an all female choir singing over the top of like drum and bass and electro beats. So maybe if you imagine something like an MIA or a Santa Gold, but with loads or a Bjork, I guess, on the very extreme end, like, but with loads and loads of people singing parts over the top, none of which are musically trained other than the person leading it. So very maverick. We actually managed to get signed to a record label called Transgressive, who are a very big sort of indie label. Um, and we were signed with them for a year. We produced an album called From the Mouth of the Cave, which is a terrifying album. Um, and it was really, really fun to make. And it's on Spotify. I was going to say, can people go and listen to it? Yeah, I'm sure we can share it's some it's links. Yeah, yeah, share, yeah still, it's still on Spotify. It got four out of five stars in The Guardian and half a star in The Enemy. So <laughs> what do they know? It really did divide. It really did divide the truth. But that, um, that band then became a production company of which I was the lead producer sort of working very closely with Deborah. And, you know, together we created a theatre show for the Almeida Theatre, an app. We, you know, designed a pop-up shop with an events programme. We just did stuff that a band would normally do, um, you know, and got funding from wherever we could. So, again, that's very much how I then started to earn my stripes, I guess, in this yeah. kind of more creative production project management world. And, you know, you have to imagine then I was probably like 24, you know, managing projects, but also trying to manage 20 other women of like who were twice my age at some point. So what an experience, though. Yeah. And what a what a thing to have, like coming to your life on a night that you maybe thought, oh, maybe maybe I'll go to this. Maybe I won't. Maybe I like it. Maybe I won't. And then, wow, you know, you have to take you have to take a chance on stuff. And I think, you know, I. I kind of very much work in the startup sector now. And I think people always forget that bands are kind of a bit like startups, you know, you're figuring out what your sound is, what you want to sound like, you're inspired by other things. Then you build your aesthetic or your manager might build your aesthetic and your look. All of these things kind of play into it. It's really entrepreneurial um, and really exciting in that, in that sense. And I guess I also learned then that that's the point that I really love when you're really kind of like molding it and building it and, and, and you're kind of, you know, being able to get your hands on the clay of what whatever you're doing is. Have you got any projects that you've really, really have been your favourites um, and that really stick out? Over the last 
10 years yes there's been there's been a few I mean I guess for me I always think about what's the stuff that like again going back to that like I'm 32 now not to date whenever somebody watches us in the future but it's like um you know always think about the excitement of like 16 year old Jade and the stuff that she was really like determined to do so you know going when I went to Edinburgh Fringe Festival when I was 17 I was like god I would love to do something for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival but I'm not I don't develop one person theatre shows I'm not a comedian and so I was like I don't really know how that's going to work and then you know two years ago I was contacted by somebody who was putting on um an exhibition about like feminist art for Summer Hall, which is one of the spaces in Edinburgh. And they basically asked me and Deborah to create a piece of work for it. And we did, and it's a video um, that tries to get people to have orgasms in an art gallery. And it's tongue in cheek and it's funny. And we also did some vocal performance work around it. <laughs> people at the festival and then basically when we did the private view we hid you know people that had been in the vocal workshop pretended to be in the um like just hanging out of the private view so when the video piece comes on and it's 10 steps to doing this and it's kind of all taking a little bit of you know the mick of the mindfulness movement and all the mindfulness videos that are out there on youtube like the old 60s and 70s ones they yeah. then start to have orgasms in the gallery as if they are reacting to the video thus causing kind of chaos um but even more hilariously people started copying it so we just ended up this sort of cacophony <laughs> of um <laughs> orgasm <laughs> soundscape yeah, yeah. we kind of ended up with this orgasm soundscape which sounds <laughs> more erotic than it actually was <laughs> but it's just like sort of yeah I, I, is there video footage of any of this I'd love yeah, to there see was, it there was, there is somewhere there's yeah it was it was a, we ran that performance twice and the second time I think me and Deborah were a bit like well I don't think we could do that a third time <laughs> get a little bit messy I think things are getting a little bit heated now that everyone's had quite a few quite a few proseccos um so yeah so that was like a great tick for 16 year old Jay to be like yeah actually did have a bit of performance work in the fringe so that was amazing um i think creating the show lissa strata for the almeida theater which was a new electronic version of um, the greek play which starred charlotte church was a really big one for us and um, we sold that out 250 people over two nights which is great because that didn't actually even start till like 9 45 pm um so again it was a bit of a raucous one so that was a real achievement. And I had an art show um, in the ICA, um, which is the Institute of Contemporary Arts in central London, which had always been my favorite gallery growing up because it's, you know, it's small, it has really progressive exhibitions and a great bar and it's sometimes great food. So it kind of like sit with everything that I enjoyed doing. Um, and we did something for Fig2, which was programmed by a curator called Fatos Ustek, who has since gone on to be kind of the main curator for things like the Liverpool Biennale. So again, Jade, who was doing her fine art BA, actually being able to get a exhibition essentially into one of her favorite galleries was a, was a really big tick. Um, and then, you know, nowadays it's more, I guess I'm always proud when, to your point earlier, I'm able to kind of shift and learn in new spaces. And I'm a big fan of like reflection. And as I mentor people at the moment, I'm always like, please spend some time like reflecting on what you actually got done in the last quarter or what you got done um, over the last year, because you'll probably end up really surprising yourself. And this year, for the first time, I've ended up working on a fully digital product um, with one of my clients, well, in fact, two of them, BBC Maestro and Creative Entrepreneurs, a fully digital products. So I'm suddenly a tech bro, which I never thought I was going to be. I thought I was always going to be, you know, a kind of 
hotel co-working co-living you know person that's in very much in a space and inspired by being in spaces and now suddenly I'm working in the fully digital space and I was having conversations with someone yesterday about you know how they'd like to see me move into like product development and I'm like whoa I don't really even know anything about that but now I'm really excited about the proposition because suddenly you're like oh actually these things do translate yeah totally and my next question was going to be where do you go for your creative inspiration but you know there's so many projects that just sort of you you must be drawing from from all the time is there anything you do like privately separately to uh, sort the project work you do yeah to inspire me yeah like so I think what's again what's interesting is like It takes a bit of time, but over time you start to see that you have a kind of pattern or style or aesthetic. I'm not an art director, but like when you start to look back at those projects, you start to see the things that you're inspired by, what kind of repeats itself and what and what the kind of pattern is. Um, I get a lot of inspiration from people. I think that's why I loved being in the band with so many people. I love people's different stories, different points of view. I'm like very open to that. Um, so anything that involves me being able to connect with other individuals to create something always works really nicely for me. Um, I'm also fascinated by the mundane, which I know by by proxy sounds really boring, but it's one of my favourite sort of projects for myself over lockdown is that when I go on my walks um, around South London and beyond, um, if I see any kind of weird compositions of kind of rubbish or juxtaposed sort of like materials that are in the urban environment I take a picture of them and then I put a kind of fake um like artistic analysis about them. <laughs> I um, love that on my Instagram that's kind of tongue-in-cheek but it's kind of like you see so many when you suddenly put your lens on it you see these weird juxtapositions of things um and you're like oh that's just really really fun and interesting so I often have moments of taking pictures of loads of things that are a certain colour or things that fit in a certain pattern. And I'll do that for a while and then it will suddenly disappear. So it's just interesting to see how your brain works. But I think um, the other thing for me that's important in that is the walking. Like I love walking around and I love walking around London, especially when it's bustling in its usual state because it's changing all the time. And um, I did an event with this creativity expert who I'm sure you've heard of called Kathy Haynes. Mm. She's got a PhD in creativity. And she talks about the fact that, you know, in order to keep your brain kind of creatively agile, you um, should avoid too much structure. And obviously as humans, we all need structure. We've all got deadlines and dependence and things that we need to do, absolutely. But, um, you know, it's about if you're gonna walk to the park, why don't you go left instead of right when you walk there? Why, do, if you always love walking to Vauxhall, why don't instead you decide to walk to Waterloo and see what you see, see what you hear, what do you enjoy? Like enjoy the kind of sensorial nature of that, that kind of block. I find it's normally because there's too much going on in my head, even without me, like on a subconscious level. So it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm worried about this and I know I'm worried about that. And I know I've got to water the plants and actually I've got to make that phone call. It's more like subconsciously, there's just probably some thoughts that are peppering around that need to sort of come out. So journaling is really good for that. Um, I'm sure lots of people that listen to this will have heard of things like the artist's way. And they talk about it a lot in that getting up. And the first thing that you do is write everything that's down, like literally whatever's in your head, you write it down. I'm not a morning person. So that is not a p- task for me. My morning tasks are just like get to coffee and <laughs> turn the heating on and like that's it. So, but later on, or if I'm feeling a bit stuck, then I'll just write. And I'll just write endlessly what, what is ever in my head. And that is a real like clear path. And then another thing that I like to do if I'm 
not able to click into a brief or quite get into a project is that I try and write down the opposite of everything that it is. So instead of trying to think about what it is, and it's like, that can be kind of all encompassing and a bit confusing. I'm like, okay, let's start with what it's not and then see what we're left with after. And that is sometimes quite a good circuit, mm. breaker, I guess, for me. Yeah. So talk to us more about the um, the coaching and how you've how you sort of got into that and, and how you're finding it as well, because it's a really interesting side of what you do, I think. Yeah, so I think for me, like what I realised, especially this year, or when I was starting to think about this year at the end of last year, is that I've been really trying to like kind of align my like value centre to the work that I do, which I think is something a lot of freelancers have been doing. And then I got the opportunity to do some work with a great new company called I Like Networking, which is ran by this woman, Isabel Sachs. She started it um, during lockdown in order to support people that were being made redundant or, you know, people that were having any kind of transiency in their creative industries career. Um, and I became a mentor for her and I did loads of speed mentoring um, with people that work in the events industry. And then I took on some one-on-one -on -one mentorships. And of, off the back of that, I was asked to do some stuff for the students at Lincoln University. So it kind of snowballed from there and I was like I would do these one-on-one -on -one sessions and when I closed the laptop at the end of the 60 minutes the really lovely like internal glow feeling that I got was like very like long lasting so I think when I am working with a client and I like win a pitch you get that adrenaline rush and it's a real big high and then you kind of like decompress again if I'm working on an events program and the events are happening and people are there big big adrenaline rush and then a big crash that's how it works and that's why people are addicted to the events industry and other <laughs> industries that have that system because you're always trying to you're always trying to get that buzz but the feeling that I get when I coach someone one-on-one -on -one isn't that super high adrenaline feeling but it's this nice you know base even level of warmth that kind of lasts a lot longer um in a lot of ways and I was like okay like let me feel my feelings here that's something that I should do more of because it makes me feel great. I get really good feedback about it. And I think I'm helping people on an individual level. So yeah, I guess it's about capturing who I can capture on a macro level through bigger projects and ideas, and then who I can support individually. And, you know, and I think absolutely, especially for kind of like women and like people of color, there are less like mentorship schemes or specific kind of mentor or like coach schemes or if you're from a lower social economic background like there aren't so many um places to be like to show that you can just be a totally normal person and make a career in the creative industries basically and that's actually a lot of the feedback that I've got from some of the like events and sessions is that you know because I've been you know really hardline and said that you know that like, I'm like a super normal person from a super normal family I had to sell into them that I was going to do art as a career they didn't get how I was going to make money I had to you know do the work to prove to them that the industry that I sit in is viable and exciting and it was completely worth it and that's the stuff from students that we always get really good feedback about they're like thank you so much for saying that because sometimes I feel like I'm the only one that's in this and I feel like a kind of square peg in a round hole so I guess I'm always trying to explain to people that maybe you feel like that and sometimes I feel like that but actually like hundreds of us feel like that so we're probably a bit more in the majority than you think um if we people want to find you um either for mentoring coaching or any of your other projects where can they find you yeah so feel free to drop me an email i'm on jade at jadecoles.com very easy to remember um email address if, you, if you've got my name written anywhere on this and then my instagram handles are jadecoles underscore underscore 
and studio.coles. If you find one, you'll inevitably find the other. Um, and everything else I think you can probably find from, from that more or less. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on all of the places other than Twitter. That's fantastic. Um, thank you so much for your time, Jade. Really, really enjoyed talking to you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day.